Hello, I'm Janus. And I'm Tessa. Welcome to our podcast that celebrates wordiness and nerdiness and sometimes plain absurdiness. Please join us for today's episode of Your Your New New Favorite Favorite Word. Welcome to episode 23 of Your New Favorite Word. We want to start out this week with a shout out to listener Christine, a longtime homeschooler who writes, I'm planning to use your podcasts as part of language arts this year. That's wonderful, Christine. We're really happy to hear that. That's really cool. And we hope that this will be an enjoyable resource for your family and that you and anyone else will share comments, questions, and feedback you may have as you listen. We would love to know what new favorite words you discover or any words you would like us to investigate in a future episode. Definitely. Happy to humor anyone's requests. (laughs) So, Jameis. How about you tell us what your new favorite word is this week? Okay, so my new favorite word this week. Arms akimbo is a phrase that I've heard off and on forever, but never really spent any mental energy on trying to understand what exactly akimbo refers to. So how about you, Tessa? Have I, I'm sure you've heard the word. Yes, like, what does it course. mean to you? I mean, I picture someone standing, maybe their feet wide apart with their fists on their hips and their elbows sticking out. That's the image it always brings up to me. And, and that's exactly the definition of the phrase is uh, hands on hips and elbows turned outwards hmm. is arms akimbo. If I had been asked, I would have said it was probably synonymous with disarray or helter skelter because oh, I've heard it in, interesting. in those kinds of uh, contexts as well. And I wouldn't have been wrong, but it, its primary meaning, you nailed it right on the head. Good job. Well, Hole good in one, Tessa. <laughs> but I had to wonder, how in the world does a word like akimbo come to mean hands on hips and elbows turned out? So before looking it up, I was thinking that maybe it had roots in like an African language or something. Yeah, it has that sound. It reminds me of like Zimbabwe or something, you know, akimbo. <laughs> but the earliest written reference to the word is in Middle English, <laughs> where it was rendered as two words, inkeneboa. What? Now, no one is quite sure where that comes from. How do you spell that? So it's two words, in, and K-E-N-N-E-B-O-W-E. That does not sound like English at all. (laughs) Middle English doesn't sound like English, though. (laughs) But one theory is that keneboa comes from the Middle English words for keen, as in sharp, and bow, as in bent, referring to the sharp angles of the elbows on the hips. But it doesn't really hold up well because the word for keen in Middle English, according to the OED, was used almost exclusively to refer to cutting or piercing weapons and less metaphorically. I don't know. Some people's elbows are pretty sharp. (laughs) Yeah, there is that. (laughs) Uh, Another theory says it comes from an old Icelandic phrase meaning bent into a curve or bow. And I'm not going to try and pronounce it. It it does have kind of a superficial resemblance to inkeneboa. But the OED is quick to point out that even here, the construction in Old Icelandic doesn't fit with the way the phrase is used in English. So the most likely theory, but again, it's still just a theory, is that the kenna of kenaboa comes from a root of can, like a can of soup. Hmm. Or maybe some related word with bow referring to handles. So can handle or jug handle, referring oh, to the, the shape of the handles. I'm on the a little jug. teapot, short and stout. Exactly <laughs> right. So there, there is more evidence for this theory than for the others, but who knows. <laughs> but the word evolved from inkenaboa through a variety of interesting variations like onkenbo, akenbol, and akembo. 
<laughs> before finally settling into the modern akimbo in the 18th and 19th centuries. Wow. Who kind of that? Cool journey. It's fascinating to see how the word changed and evolved, you know. Mm-hmm. My favorite thing about the word, though, is how its meaning has broadened. So while it does still primarily refer to hands on hips and elbows turned out, it can also be used to refer to other limbs and joints flung out haphazardly, as in, the tailor sat on the bench with his legs akimbo. <laughs> or he dances with knees akimbo. Oh, I love it. <laughs> Isn't that great? That's a great image, yes. And so, of course, my original impression of the word's meaning was valid too, that of things being askew or awry, as in, they wear their hats akimbo, or the fan folded akimbo against her waist. Interesting. But I want to share two more examples from the OED, which are probably my favorites. <laughs> The first, from a 1959 music review in The New Yorker, reads, He tended to match all of Coleman's near-atonal plunges with akimbo (laughs) melodic melodic lines of his own. (laughs) Just paints such a brilliant picture of, like, musical ineptitude. (laughs) It's just painfully hilarious. And then this line from 2002 in Esquire, he is still blue with mittenny hands and startled akimbo eyebrows. Ooh, eyebrows. Isn't that expressive? Yes. I love that. Like the word has such potential for expressiveness. I was pleasantly surprised and I really want to look for opportunities to sneak this word into my vocabulary. <laughs> love it. Make it part of my idiolect, as it were. <laughs> Perfect. So long as my attempts don't go akimbo. <laughs> Thank you. How about you, Tessa? What's your new favorite word? Well, my search this week for a new favorite word was inspired by listener Britton, who was interested in the connection between the words miser and miserable. That was a great question, Britton. And my search revealed that in the 1540s, the word miser meant a miserable person or a wretch. Oh, fascinating. It had nothing to do with money or penuriousness. Penurity. What's the right word? I'm not sure. (laughs) Penury. There it is. Ah. I know that from an Emily Dickinson poem that just came to mind. Penury. But in Latin, the word miser as an adjective meant unhappy, wretched, pitiable, or in distress. And this was borrowed into English. And then by the 1560s, it had acquired this extra meaning of a money hoarding person that we associate with it today fascinating how it went from a miserable miserable person to a penny pincher. Yes, and this idea apparently comes from the assumption that such an attitude about being a penny pincher or being a money hoarding person leads to misery, but then it led to the word miser kind of losing the other connotations of just being miserable. So that's wow. fascinating to yeah. me. It's, this meaning has taken over that word. So probably the most well-known miser in our culture is Ebenezer Scrooge from Charles Dickens' A Christmas Carol. It's practically the archetype. (laughs) Yes. So that was written in the 1800s, but it wasn't until the 1940s that this word was attested in print, meaning a mean-spirited or miserly person calling them a Scrooge, using that in a more general sense. 1940s, really? Yeah, it took a while for that to be generally attributed, at least in writing. It could have been more colloquially used. But I was interested in finding some other terms that had this kind of meaning of someone being miserly. So an interesting one, a fun one, skin flint. Yes, I like that one. Yeah, so this means a miser or one who makes use of contemptible economy to keep money. And this was a slang word from the 1700s. 
that literally meant a kind of person who would skin a flint or a stone or a rock to save or gain something. I wondered. Okay, (laughs) that makes sense. Yeah. So a previous version of that was flay flint. So flay meaning to cut, right? And that was from the 1670s. And then in the 18th century, one of the slang words that was used to mean a miserly person was nip cheese. Nip cheese? Yes. So this was a term originally used to call a ship's purser, the guy in charge of the money on a ship. Okay. And this assumption that he was very protective of the funds and that he might just cut off a little bit of cheese at a time when absolutely necessary. (laughs) And there were some verbs associated with that, a cheese pairing person or cheese pairer. So these also meant a miserly person. Wow, that's that's great. Yeah, those are words I would like to start using because I love cheese. (laughs) (laughs) But you don't want to be a nip cheese. No. (laughs) And cheapskate is another one we've often heard. Um, The Oxford English Dictionary says that a skate is an old term for a poor, worn out, or decrepit horse. Oh, interesting. So a cheapskate, a mean or contemptible person, was a cheap skate. It used to be two separate words, right? You contemptible old horse, right? (laughs) So that was really interesting to me, the origins of that word. And so then we have a lot of terms associated with pinching or holding the fist tight, which is a very obvious image of holding on to our money, right? So we have penny pincher. In Middle English, it was pinch penny, pinch gut, pinch fist, tight wad, close fisted, close handed, tight fisted, pinch fisted, and hard fisted. These are have been used at different times to mean the same idea. And then we have the wonderful word curmudgeon, <laughs> yes, which doesn't always associate with money or being miserly, but kind of that idea of being very grumpy churlish mean like a miser would probably be a curmudgeon yes they're they're related definitely in sense but it can mean a miserly fellow as well so it's of unknown origin actually um, from the 1570s but there are a lot of false etymologies out there sure. <laughs> so one is that it comes from a french t- term cour machant evil heart this is not taken seriously one of my sources said <laughs> Uh, it's been claimed to be a corruption of corn merchant with the notion of one who withholds food. Oh, interesting. <laughs> and then there was one source in the 1600s that used the term corn mudgeon, And some people thought that this might be the first usage of it and that was derived from this. But they've since found previous instances of curmudgeon being used. And so it's most likely that this was a wordplay on corn and curmudgeon, meaning someone who is withholding corn. So that makes sense. Yeah. And the word itself could possibly be from the word cur meaning dog or another idea is that it m- might have been borrowed from Gaelic and there's a word in Gaelic M U I G E A N. I'm not going to know how to pronounce that but meaning a disagreeable person. And they think that the, the prefix might be an intensive prefix, K-E-R, like we have the word kerplop or kerfuffle, oh, so yeah. kermudgeon. Or it could, there's a Scots prefix, ker, C-U-R, with the same kind of idea, an intensifying prefix. So, 
And that's a slang prefix, cur, which I thought was interesting. Huh. And the last word cloud or area of words that I wanted to talk about it comes around the word stingy. So Adam Online says that this came around in the 1650s but is of uncertain origin, but could be a dialectical alteration of stingy. Stingy. Right, meaning yeah, to yeah. sting, right? Something that stings. And that's agreed with by the OED to be a possibility. But this version stingy has created a back formation sting, <laughs> which I found interesting. And then a dialectical version, version meaning the same thing, skingy. Skingy, I like that. Which is fun to say. And then finally, my actual new favorite word this week is a variation of stingy, which is mingy, M-I-N-G-Y, which the American Heritage Dictionary defines as small in quantity or meager, such as a job that paid mingy wages, or mean and stingy. And the guess is that putting together mean and stingy into mingy is the origin of okay. this word. But this is definitely one that I want to start using instead of some of these others. Miserly becomes mingy. I like it. <laughs> mingy. <laughs> could be a great character name in a novel, too. <laughs> it totally could. Very Dickensian. Yes. Thank you, Tessa. That's really fun. Great words. Thank you. And thanks, everyone, for listening. We hope you'll join us again next week. And as ever, we can be reached at ynfw at jamesbuck.org or on Facebook at facebook.com slash yournewfavoriteword. Don't be strangers. We always love to know what's your new favorite word. <laughs> <laughs>